If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn it to Philippians chapter 2. We are in Philippians chapter 2. If you don't know where that is, there's this really handy dandy thing at the front of your Bible called the Table of Contents. It will tell you what page to go to. Okay, Philippians chapter 2. Okay? Philippians chapter 2. Once you find the one that says Philippians, it'll be a big number 2. And then inside there, there will be little numbers. And we're going to start... Oh, I have the wrong one. I was looking down and my notes said Philippians 1. I was like, that was last week. Here we go. We're going to be in verse 3. So Philippians, big number 2, little number 3. While you are turning there, let me just tell you a quick little story. Did you guys know I used to work at Chick-fil-A? Yes. I know. You told me. Yes. I worked at two different Chick-fil-A's. One over in Cedar Hill, Texas. But before that, I worked at one in Illinois in a town called Fairview Heights. And when I was at the one in Fairview Heights, our boss there was so good that the Kathy family, the people who like started Chick-fil-A, like personally asked him to come be the guy to run the newest store they were opening in Atlanta where they live. Like he's just really good at his job, right? He knows Chick-fil-A and he does it really, really well. And if you've been to Chick-fil-A before, there is something that everybody there always says, every time you tell them thank you, they say, My pleasure! My pleasure. And the reason I start there tonight is because the title of tonight's message is My Pleasure. So if you're taking notes, write down at the top, Philippians chapter 2, My Pleasure. Okay? And here's why that's the title. Do you guys think that people at Chick-fil-A have to say my pleasure when you say thank you? No. Have you guys ever heard about this, this trend on social media where you go to Chick-fil-A and you tell them thank you and if they don't say my pleasure, they have to give you a free milkshake? Yes. Anybody heard of that before? Yeah. I, it's not from the sandwich, it's my pleasure. Well, a free something. But here's the deal. It's not true. They don't actually have to tell you my pleasure. Do you know that? It's not a requirement. They just encourage it. And here's why they encourage it. My boss told me when I was at the one in Illinois, here's what he said. I asked him, are we required to say my pleasure when I was getting trained for my job once I got hired? And he said, I don't require anybody on my team to say my pleasure. It is my hope that I would create a work environment where all the people on my team are genuinely pleasured to serve other people. Like they really enjoy it when they serve other people. So when they say it's my pleasure, they really mean it's my pleasure to serve you, right? Because that's what they're really saying, right? They're not just saying, it's my pleasure. Well, like, what's my pleasure? Serving you is my pleasure is what they're saying, right? And not just like handing you the food, right? Anybody ever had a Chick-fil-A employee go like way above and beyond just to get you your Chick-fil-A sauce or something? You know what I did when I worked at Chick-fil-A? People would drop their credit cards in the drive-thru and I would straight up hop through the window to like get it. I remember one time I looked at my teammate and I said, grab my feet. And I like leaned over and he grabbed my ankles and I like reached down and grabbed the card so that I would give it to the person so they wouldn't have to get out of their car and get it. And I wanted to. I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. And they're going to come back to Chick-fil-A because ain't no McDonald's employee going to do that for them. It's broken. That's what they're going to say, right? So... I loved it. I did all kinds of crazy stuff. I got under the sinks and scrubbed the drain pipes, and I loved it. It was awesome. Because I knew that our restaurant would be clean. Like, even the drains would be clean, right? And I wanted to do it. You know why I wanted to do it? Because my boss would roll up his sleeves and do it right alongside us. He never asked us to do something that he didn't already do himself. 
And the, the tricky thing about the phrase, my pleasure, is if we really think about it, the things that we want to do to make ourselves feel happy and joyful usually don't include serving other people, do they? No. Not in everyday life. Not often. If we do, it's not a normal thing. And it's not a natural thing for us. Because the nature of humanity is to go against others. Is to use others to make ourselves feel better and feel happy and feel joyful. Can any of y'all, as middle schoolers, think of people that you know? And maybe you're the person. Don't just pin it on other people. Maybe it's you. But who have used other people around you to feel better about themselves? Or to be happy? Or to get a laugh? You've seen anybody bully someone just so that they could get a laugh out of other people? Right? It happens all the time. It is not normal for us to seek our pleasure and our joy by serving other people. But I start there because that is exactly what we're talking about in Philippians chapter 2. We are in a series called Real Joy. We're studying the book of Philippians and everything in it points to where we can find true happiness and true joy. Last week we talked about how real joy is found in Jesus, not in a lack of bad circumstances. Right? We don't want bad things. We do want bad things to just disappear, but Jesus doesn't promise that that's going to happen. Not until he comes back and removes the presence of sin forever. All he does is remove the power of sin for now. This week, we're going to talk about how real joy is found in serving others, not in serving yourself. So we're in Philippians chapter 2. We're just going to read verses 3 through 5, and we'll talk about the verses around them. Before we do, though, here's what's going on. Paul is sitting in prison. Why? Because he chose to say that Jesus was his king of kings over Caesar and the emperor, or the, the emperor of Rome, basically. He thought Jesus was a higher king than Caesar, and he told everybody else about it, and that's basically a very simplified version of how he ended his butt in jail. Okay? Now he's sitting here, he's getting close to dying, and people from a church in Philippi sent him money to the jail so that he could do ministry and help other people and serve other people even while he's chained up in prison. And that's Philippians. Okay? Chapter 1, he talked to, us all, all, talked to us all about how our joy can be found in Jesus and the relationship we have with him. And now because of that, chapter 2, we'll start in verse 3. Here we go. Verse 3 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Conceit just means like selfishness. It's another way of saying selfish ambition. Okay? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, but in being humble, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to explain what he means by that attitude. Okay, Let's pray together. We'll break this down, um, and then we'll be done for tonight. Okay, Father, thank you so much for this book, for this letter that you wrote, that you wrote through Paul. Um, I pray that you would help us see from the things that you said in this section um, just how much you love us. Um, and how much joy we can find um, in serving others, just as you have found joy in serving us. And guys, you guys, just take a second. Pray to God and ask him to speak to you tonight and teach you something. And if you would, please pray for me that God would use me um, and that I would be helpful to you tonight. Father, we love you. Through your spirit, would you show us Jesus um, and work tonight. Pray sing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Here's where we're going again. Ready? Real joy is found in serving others, not in serving who? Yourself. Yourself. Okay? Real joy is found in serving others, not 
in serving yourself. Look at verse 3. This is the main point right here. Right out the bat, Paul says, here's what I want you to do. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. How many things should we do selfishly? None. Zero. Nothing. Let me just ask you, how are you doing on this today? You've done absolutely nothing to to serve yourself today. I know I failed already. I got Skittles. You know why? Because I wanted to. Is Paul saying that's wrong here? Not necessarily, right? But I definitely did it because I wanted to, right? I was self-centered in that moment. This is what I want. I'm going to do it. Now, had it hurt other people, that definitely would have been when it was wrong. The main point here is this, right here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but instead, in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Other versions of the Bible that have been translated into English don't just say, like, consider them as more important than yourselves, but they say, they literally say, consider others as more valuable than you. Consider them to have more worth than you do. Okay? Now, I want you to stop for a second. Let's think. Is Paul asking us or telling us, is he saying, yes, there are some people who are worth more than other people are? No. No, No, he's not. All he's saying is, you should treat others like they are more valuable than you. Do you see the difference? Because when we treat other people like they are more valuable than us, and everybody's doing that, who's left out? Nobody is, right? If everybody's treating other people like they're more valuable than themselves, then everybody gets the help that they need, right? Everybody gets the assistance that they need from each other. It's kind of like this. You guys seen Inside Out? Who's seen Inside Out? Who's like, what's Inside Out? I don't know what that is. I'm so sorry I'm about to spoil the movie for you, but it's fine. Um, Inside Out is a movie about a girl named Riley who's your age. She's in middle school. And her head is full of her feelings. And they all have little personalities. There's joy. There's sadness. There's anger. There's fear. um, And there's disgust, which is awesome. Um, And one of the things that happens in there is that joy and sadness get kicked out of mission control. And they have to go off into the outer reaches of Riley's mind. And find their way back to mission control. It's kind of funny because like joy and sadness are like the two emotions in a middle school girl's life that kind of just disappear, right? Like it's all anger and disgust and fear all the time. But anyway, it's kind of funny, isn't that? But anyway, um, some of y'all are like, no, it's not me because it's you. But anyway, it's fine. We've all been there before. And the funny part is there's another short film. Of, it, of them where it goes into the middle school boy's mind and all the feelings are just like, yeah, 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 just yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Not paying attention and it's awesome. But anyway, anyway, they go off. And while they're off out in the wild blue yonder, they meet someone named Bing Bong. Bing Bong is Riley's imaginary friend. He looks kind of like an elephant, but he's got like a fox tail and his body's made out of cotton candy. Or a raccoon tail, maybe. And he's got this like hobo jacket. And his, he cries like candy whenever he, his tears are candy. Right? He's super cool. But at the end of the movie, they're following the train of thought back to my mission control. And it crashes and they fall down to this deep dark abyss where all the lost memories go. And while they're down there, Bing Bong knows they've got to get joy and sadness back to mission control. They have to go. It's the most valuable thing. 
right? Joy is a person, sadness is a person, and Bing Bong is a person in this movie. And Bing Bong decides at the last second that he realizes he's weighing them down. They make a little rocket and they sing to power it, which if you've not seen the movie before, it sounds really weird, but it makes sense in the movie, okay? They sing to power it and it gets going and Bing Bong realizes he's too heavy. He's weighing it down. So he remembers what the mission is. He remembers what's going on. And he considers joy and sadness more valuable than, him, than, than himself. He pushes the rocket away and falls into the abyss and sacrifices himself. Yes. I'm and it's so sad. It is. I mean, like, so y'all, those of y'all who've never seen the movie before, it's like, it even kind of feels sad. And those of y'all who have, you're like, why are you reminding me of this? This is awful. But it's a true moment where Bing Bong made a decision in his mind and he said, I consider them to be more valuable than myself. And he, did, he, he committed an action on that belief, right? He did something based on what he believed, that that person was more valuable than him. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you have to go to school tomorrow and die for everybody that's there. <laughs> okay? It's just a really extreme example so we can clearly see what Paul is talking about here. Okay? These kinds of things were the things we want. All Bing Bong wanted to do was restore his relationship with Riley, right? Would she just remember that she made me up and we could be friends again, right? He gave that up so that joy and sadness could make it back to mission control and finish the mission. Look, he gives us, he gives in this example, okay? Paul isn't just like saying, he gives us an example, okay? Not just Bing Bong, it's in verse four. Here we go. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. This is a really important verse because if we don't pay close attention to this verse, then we're going to walk away from here thinking we have to completely neglect ourselves, treat ourselves like trash because everybody else is more important and just hope that somebody out there takes care of us, right? That's what it sounds like. But Paul is clear here. He's not saying don't care your own interests. Don't care for the things that you need. Just don't only care for the interests and the things that you need. Right? Care for other people too. Make decisions to do things that help other people because they're worth it. That's what he says. It's not about neglecting yourself. Right? Here's what he's not saying. You guys ever seen the Jungle Book? Like the old Jungle Book. Like the animated ones. No. There's a scene towards the end where these, there's these three vultures sitting on a tree. Yes. Or maybe it's two. I don't remember. And they go, they go, what do you want to do today? The other one goes, I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do today? I don't know. What do you want to do? And they just go back and forth and back and forth and push it off to the other person. Right? I don't care. I don't want to do what I want to do today. I want to do what you want to do today. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do today? And they go back and forth and back and forth. And it's funny, but then it kind of gets annoying. Right? <laughs> Because you're like, just make a decision already, right? That's not what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying just push off everything to other people all the time. He's just saying, be considerate of other people. Recognize that you're not the center of the universe. I don't know if any of y'all needed to hear that tonight, but you are not the center of the universe. So when you go home tonight and your sibling leaves your door wide open because they just decided to open it and look at you and then walk away. I hate when I do that. I do that Here's what you don't do. Here's what you don't do. I hate you! Shut my door! No! That's a person who thinks they're the center of the universe. What you do... Let's rein it in right here. We don't have a lot of time. Okay? What you do is you look at that opportunity and you say, 
my poor sibling, if only they knew how to be considerate of others. I'm okay. I'm just going to go shut the door and move on. Right? Or maybe you walk past the laundry room and you see that there's a bunch of clothes in the dryer. And you're like, I'm just going to watch TV. Sucks that there's a lot of clothes in the dryer. Yeah, it does. So what if you just say, hey, I could pull those clothes out of the dryer, put them in a laundry basket, and take them to the living room and fold them for my mom while I'm watching TV. So we're just literally, the moms are literally clapping back there. That's amazing. But the thing is, I don't fold the clothes. I watch TV, I get distracted. Here's my point. Here's my point. I'm not saying all of you have to specifically go home and fold laundry for your mothers. My point is, when you notice that there is something that you could do that's really not going to take that much out of your life, or sometimes something that you could do that is going to take a lot out of your life, it's worth it for you to say, I'm going to give up what I want to do, and I'm going to do that for this person. Can you imagine what the world would be like for you if your parents just didn't do anything you needed? They didn't pay the light bill. They never bought you clothes. Not because they couldn't, just because they didn't want to. We wouldn't be alive right now. What if they just said... You walk into the kitchen and you say, Mom, what's for dinner? I'm hungry. And she goes, Well, I just don't want to feed you tonight, so I'm going to eat, but you don't get to. Do you think your mom wants to cook all that food for you all the time? Not always. But she does it because she considers you to be valuable. Right? Yeah. I'm going to sacrifice things in my life for Oliver when he's born. I already have sacrificed things in my life for him. Okay? It's not because I have to. We started trying to have kids because we wanted to. Because we felt like God wanted us to. Right? And Oliver is a blessing in our life. We love him and we care about him. And the people around you, whether they're in your house or they're your friends or whoever, are the same way. All he's asking us to do is to just be willing to care about other people. Look in verse 5. He says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Does anybody on the, on the side of your Bible, look right here. Does anybody have one that says ESV? I have an ESV Bible. Read your verse. Read I verse 5. Titus's version said, Have this mind about yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Let me just ask you this really quick. How many people in the world are people who have Jesus? Only the people who have believed that Jesus rose from the dead and confess that he's the Lord of their life, right? You have to have a relationship with Jesus to be able to do this. But here's the deal. You can. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, Moses is about to turn the Israelites loose in the promised land. He's going to go die because he's not allowed to go inside the promised land. And right before he does, he gives them a bunch of commandments from God. And he says, you've got to do this and do this and do this and do this and be this kind of person. And then God will bless you. That was the Old Testament. Things were a little bit different in the way that God interacted with people then. But now Jesus has come. The point is this. At the end of all of that, Moses looks at them and he says, this command I'm giving you, it's not far from you. It's not impossible for you. It's not too hard for you to do. Because God will put his spirit within you. So here's what I'm not telling you to do. Because the Bible tells us that those of us who have trusted that Jesus is the Lord of our lives and agreed that he's the Lord of our lives and believe that he's risen from the dead, we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our lives. Okay, I hate to break it to you. Jesus did not move into your heart. The Holy Spirit did. And the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to you. 
Okay? But the Holy Spirit is in your heart if, you have a, if you're following Jesus. And here's the deal. When he tells you, hey, consider others as more valuable than yourselves. Sacrifice for them. Do things for them because they're valuable. He's not just saying, figure it out, you blockheads. <laughs> you can't do it, but do it anyway, right? He's saying, no, no, no. I know you can't do it on your own. How many of you guys have tried to be nice? You're like, I want to be nice to my siblings, but I really stink at it, right? Guess what? Paul just removed that excuse. You don't have to say I stink at it anymore because he knows you stink at it. God knows you're really bad at showing love and care to other people. So he gave you a way to do it by putting the Holy Spirit inside you. Do you see how that works? And if you're like, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit inside me. Pause. Be patient. We'll talk about that at the end. But if you do have the Holy Spirit inside you, you have no more excuses. I have no more excuses. When I want to just veg out and watch Survivor on the TV, but all I got, ah, which means I need food. I have to listen. Right? Because he is valuable and he's worth it. Not because I got some rug rat to take care of. I just deal with it. And then I can move on to what I want to do. No, he is a human being whom I love. And then in verses 17 and 18 of Philippians chapter 2, this is what Paul says. This is where it leads. Look, verse 17, he says, listen. Even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Even if it costs me everything, just like if I were to take Caden's root beer and pour it out right here and all of it is gone. Even if it takes that much out of me to serve you, even if I do, I will be full of joy. And then in 18, look what he says in verse 18. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. How did Paul just say he got his joy? By serving with others. Serving others. Even if it costs him everything. So here's what he's saying. You can have the same joy in your life by serving other people. But you can't serve other people like God is talking about without the Holy Spirit within you. So what Paul is saying is, I want you to have a relationship with Jesus like I do. Through the Holy Spirit. And when you do, I want you to serve other people and find joy there. Even if it costs you everything. There's a guy that I know. I don't know him super well, but he, he knows our family kind of. And my dad knows him better than I do. But his name is Leonardo Rivas. Can you all say Rivas? Rivas. He lives in Mexico City. Okay. And doctor, he's a doctor. He's a medical doctor. Dr. Rivas was building a hospital in Mexico City like 10 or 11 years ago. And while they were building it, the construction worker brought him over to an area in the hospital. They weren't anywhere close to done, but some of the walls were up. And in this section, the foreman comes over and he says, uh, Dr. Rivas, you need to look here. And obviously this was all in Spanish, but he goes, you need to look here. There's these girls here just in the construction site. And so Dr. Rivas goes and he looks and he sees there's a girl named Blanca. She's 11 years old. And she's got three younger sisters, or at least two younger sisters, and they're all just kind of huddled there in the construction site. So Dr. Rivas kneels down, and he says, what's your name? And she says, I'm Blanca, and these are my sisters. And, and he says, how long have you been here? And she says, a few weeks. They've been in the construction site for a few weeks. This is a true story. And he says, where are your parents? And Blanca said, well, they dropped us off here, and they said, we'll be back tomorrow. And they never came. And here's the sad thing. Families like that are experiencing that all over Mexico City every day. Where people are just given away 
their, their child, they give their children away by just leaving them on the street and driving away because they don't see a way they can take care of them. Or sometimes they don't want to take care of them. And they just leave them be. And so Dr. Rivas looked at, he looked at Blanca and immediately he said, you're coming to my house tonight. And he brought the girls to his house and when they walked through the door, Dr. Rivas' wife said, Leo, whose children are these? And he said, ours. Oh, yeah. Oh, and over the next few months, they worked through the legal processes and they adopted Blanca and her sisters. Blanca is now about my age, 26, 27, 28, somewhere in there. But she's married, has her own kids, helping, helping her father run an orphanage in the building that was supposed to be the hospital. But he changed everything. And he made it a, an orphanage for kids just like Blanca and her sisters to be a part of their family. I want you to imagine in your mind, everybody that you know of that's either a doctor or wants to be a doctor. Nine times out of ten, what's their number one or number two goal? To be a doctor. Oh, money. Money. Not for them. Right? It's not always the case, but it's up there, right? A lot of times it is because they want to help people. And that's true. I'm not trying to second guess that. But we, we got to also understand that there's a little bit of pull to how much money it pays to be a doctor, right? I promise. That was Dr. Rivas' motivation. He will tell you he was building that because he knew he could make money as a doctor. He gave it all up and considered those girls as more valuable than himself. And now they have families and they are cared for and they have been given what they need because one man looked at them and said you are more valuable than me now here's what I'm not telling you to do you don't have to go to where all the homeless people are in Weatherford or Fort Worth and say you're coming to my house tonight because you don't really have the resources to do that but you have the resources to serve the people around you in very specific ways just like Dr. Rivas got to right over time Dr. Rivas legally adopted as many kids as the nation of Mexico will let him he legally has over 50 children because he's adopted so many of them who had the same story as Blanca and her sisters. He used the tools that God gave him to be that way. So I want you to look at your life. Because selfishness is not the answer to finding happiness and joy. Right? You think Dr. Rivas is happy? 100%. I got to visit that orphanage. I got to meet Blanca. I got to meet Dr. Rivas and the kids at that home. And it is so cool how many lives have been changed because he decided to use what God had given him to serve other people and not himself? So selfishness is not the answer. Being humble is. I want you to think about in your life, what has being selfish gotten you? What has it brought to you? Has it actually made you happier? Are you genuinely more joyful? The chances are you probably not. The things that you've done to make yourself happier and joyful that you know for a fact were selfish promise they didn't work and if you still think they're working there will be a day when you are proven wrong because you will see how bad it hurts either you or other people usually we're left wanting more or we get to a point where we are forced to be humble right something happens that makes us understand that it's not all about us and we are not the center of the world we stink at determining what we should want right we're not very good at deciding what we should want our hearts are very good at telling us what we do want, but they're not great at telling us what we should want. So selfishness is not the answer. In my, guy, in my life, guys, every time my life gets crazy, besides like sicknesses, 
like the actual circumstances that I can't control, right? Usually it's because I'm doing things based on my own selfishness. I don't need to get up and get all these things done before work. I need to just sleep in a little bit more. Well, when I do that, it's a chain reaction and the rest of the day unravels, right? Sometimes being selfless just means waking up on time so that you can do the things you need to do on time to, to help serve others later. So what are the ways that you should respond? you got two options. Either you need a relationship with Jesus. You don't have the Holy Spirit within you, so you can't even start to want to do anything about the fact that you want to serve others in a way that will last because you don't have the Holy Spirit within you. At some point, you will sabotage your plan to be good to other people because your sin is controlling you. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit within you. You need to respond in relationship. If you already have the, the relationship with Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit within you, and he's revealing Jesus to you, you need to respond in rhythm. Get out and do stuff to serve other people. And just ask God, maybe, if just a little bit, you could show us, God, show me what you've done for me. Because here's where it all comes back to. The reason we have the ability in Jesus to be selfless is because Jesus is the perfect example of selflessness. Jesus is God. Do you understand that? Jesus is the one who spoke and the son just appeared. Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is the person of the Trinity who actually spoke creation into being. He was in the form of God, perfect, blameless, had nothing about him that said that he should be punished, but he became a human anyway. Gave himself some limits, right? Made himself need to sleep. Made himself need food. Made himself need to go to the bathroom. You guys know Jesus went to the bathroom, right? Like it really happened. He didn't just float three inches off the ground everywhere and go, peace be with you all the time. Like he was a person. 100% a person. He did all of those things. As the one person in all of the world and all of the universe and all of everything who never needed to be humble because he actually can back up all the things he says, right? He did it anyway. He was so humble that he went to a cross and he died for you. The one who breathed life into your body and made you alive died. So that you can have a relationship with Jesus. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, get out and do stuff. Go to the Halloween outreach with our church on Halloween night. You're in sixth grade at the youngest for crying out loud. You don't have to go from house to house to get candy anymore. Sorry. I promise. You could go from house to house and get candy. And you could, you could fill up on all that candy and have a lot of fun and it would be great. And I'm not saying it's bad if you do that. I'm just saying it will be even better for you if you choose to spend that time and have the ability to use that time handing out free glow sticks to other kids who maybe don't know who Jesus is. Maybe some of y'all have done that before, right? Who's done the Halloween outreach before? It's awesome. It's so fun. My street that Corbin and I live on is one of the highest traveled street, streets for trick-or-treating. In Weatherford. So Ollie will barely be two weeks old, but we'll be out there handing out free glow sticks with his little butt dressed up like a pumpkin. It'll be great. We're inviting you to do that with us. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus, come on anyway. Because you don't understand what it means to have real joy until you're serving other people. There is a part of joy that is missing until you're serving other people. So where do you need to respond? In a relationship with Jesus or in a rhythm of serving or both? 
You don't have to answer. I want you to think about it. Your response is tonight to what we just read is either you start a relationship with Jesus by saying, yes, I trust you, or you start going out and making decisions to serve other people. And it might just be going home tonight and saying, hey, mom, I'm going to do my homework now, and then I'm going to do what I need to do to get ready for bed and go to bed. And I promise you, your parents will look at you and say, what an angel. Because anything you can do to help them get to bed sooner is serving them. Just saying. You don't understand how tired they are. You haven't gotten to a season of life where your body wears out like theirs does. So there's no way for you to know. So trust me. Do something even tonight to serve the people in your house and show them that they are valuable. It's worth it. Okay? But here's what we're going to do. I need everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes because there are people in this room who don't have a relationship with Jesus and I want to give them the opportunity to start that. So if that's you and you're like, I want to serve others, but I don't know what it means to have the Holy Spirit within me. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't think I've ever had a moment where I trusted that Jesus was the Lord of my life and I have believed that he is risen from the dead. But you want that? And you want a relationship with Jesus Would you, with just everybody's heads bowed so that nobody feels embarrassed or anything? If that's you and you want to start that relationship with Jesus, or at least you're just confused and you've got some questions, would you just shoot your hand up for me real quick so that we can send you to talk with somebody? Um, yeah, okay. You see this lady right here? She can help you, okay? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to her right now and tell her your questions and talk with her. Um, and she will help you, okay? Those of you who do have a relationship with Jesus, eyes right here. What can you do? Think about it. Don't say it out loud. What can you do tonight when you go home to serve your family, to show them that you value them? What can you give up to serve them? And then tomorrow at school, ask yourself the same question. What can I do today to serve my teacher or to serve my friends or to help them see how much I value them? Because Jesus saw so much value in me that he died for me. And if he can do that, then I can make sure I'm not talking in class tomorrow so that my teacher actually has a a nice time, right? Or I can make sure that I, I listen the first time my parents tell me to do something if I'm homeschooled, okay? Or whatever it is that makes it difficult for you Do that thing and serve the people around you. Because God puts you there to help them and them to help you, but y'all won't experience real joy until you sacrifice to serve them. I want everybody to bow their heads. I'm going to pray for us and we'll be done for tonight. Father, we are so grateful for how you served us by sending Jesus to die for us. I pray that you would help us to respond by serving other people around us. And for those in the room, God, that don't have a relationship with you, I pray that you would help them to see their need for a relationship with you um, and talk to an adult before they leave this place. That they would have a conversation um, and start that relationship with you tonight because they want to trust you um, and and, and how much you love us. We love you, um, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.